Welcome to the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast, the show focused on the strategic disruption of the status quo in technical organizations, communities, and events. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Hashtag Call the Scene podcast. I have to admit, I do not know this guest. Someone on Twitter connected us and said, hey, she needs to be on your show, and that's what I'm doing. I follow the lead of people's um, opinions I trust. So today's guest is Dr. Anissa Ramirez. Um, pronouns are she, her. Dr. Ramirez, would you please introduce yourself to the audience? Hello, everyone. It's really wonderful to be on this show. And, and also, as you said, somebody said that I needed to be on the show, someone I respect. So that's enough for me. All right. Could you tell um, the audience about who and what you do? Sure. So I'm a scientist by training. I'm a material scientist. And uh, most people don't know what that is. It's somewhere in between chemistry and physics. Uh, and I worked as a research scientist for many, many years. And then about, uh, let's say about seven years ago, I decided to change gears. And now I'm a full-time writer. I actually call myself a science evangelist. And uh, what that is, is I go around the country and uh, give talks to kids and to teachers about the importance of science. And more recently, it's about re writing books. And I think that's why our mutual friend connected us. Okay, so what is the name of that book? Well, the book is called The Alchemy of Us. And, it's a, and the subtitle is How Humans and Matter Transform One Another. And it is a book about technology, but it really is about people. And I think that's the reason why it kind of fits with the theme of your book, uh, because most books about technology, you know, it's the, the old white guy. And uh, as I was writing this book, I couldn't write a book where my own reflection was missing. So, uh, so what that required was a lot more work, a lot more digging and finding stories of people who I would resonate with. Mm -hmm. and, and also with the uh, older white guys that we vault uh, and we put on a pedestal, I said, let me, let me really figure out your backstory and learn a little bit more about you. And I humanized them. A lot of them I would have liked and a lot of them I would not have liked, mm -hmm. but we never mm -hmm. really talk about that when we have books about technology. And so I make sure that everyone's, uh, everyone is seen as a human. No one's seen as a superhuman genius where they're able to create a technology and you can't. Uh, you see their you see their flaws, you see their faults, you see their humanness, you see their heartbreaks, and it just happens to be that it's about a book about creating inventions too. Okay, so we start the podcast as we always do. Why is it important to cause a scene, and how are you causing a scene? Well, it's important to cause a scene. I mean, the old folks would say, you know, squeaky work, squeaky wheel gets the the grease, and uh, you know, a lot of us feel very. We feel like everything around us was just the way it was, and it wasn't always that way. Someone had to make a scene. Someone had to um, say something about it. Someone had to fight. Someone had to push, push back. And, uh, and so we can't get comfortable. Our legacy is not that we, you know, we honor the ancestors uh, by appreciating where we are, but, but we still have a long way to go. So we have to make a scene, and we have to make, we have to make, make a scene wherever we are. Uh, so some of us may be in banking, some of us may be in venture capitalists, you know, every, everyone doesn't need to be on a picket line, but they need to picket the way that they can in their environment, because that's how you take down the system. So this is why it's important to cre create a scene. And um, 
I do it a couple of ways. When I was in the sciences, uh, you know, there weren't many black women scientists at all. In fact, I would uh, often joke with my family that being a black person at this conference that I used to go to annually was like networking gold because I was so easy to find. You know, hey, I met you last year and I wouldn't know who they, I'm like, who are you? I don't know who you are. I met you four years ago. You know, I don't know who you are, but they, I'm easy to spot. I'm, I'm sort of like that chocolate chip and all the cookie dough. And so they can easily find me. Uh, but also you push back. Uh, you say, hey, where, where's everybody else uh, in this field? And what can we do to attract everyone else? And why are you always recruiting from these schools where you know that by the time the number of African-Americans and Latinx and, and uh, Native Americans get to there, they've been filtered out. Let's go where they're, you know, they all kind of congregate. So, so you push back in your environment. So that's how I make a scene uh, in, in my field. Okay, so I started reading um, The Alchemy of Us, and, and, and two things hit me right off the bat. It was just funny. Three, two, one, contact me! Uh, Amy, three, two, three. one, contact! I was like, what? I so forgot that show. I need to find episodes of that show. I used to love Three, two, one, contact. I can still sing three, two, one, contact. I won't do it now because I respect you. No, 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 let's do it. All right, do all right. It. What is it? Okay, let's, because I might join in if I remember. Go ahead. Contact is the bop is the bop where everything happens. Contact is the reason, is the bop where everything happens. Contact is You can find it online, the music. I mean, it's so inspirational because it's an orchestra that's doing this kid show intro. Oh, wow. I remember that show so much. I love that freaking show. And so I hadn't even thought about it. So I'm reading and I'm like, three, two, one, contact. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so what I say in the book is that, you know, three, two, one, contact was definitely part of my origin story because, you know, I was a nerdy little kid growing up in Jersey City, working class neighborhood, didn't see anybody in the sciences. And I see this African-American girl on 321 Contact in the uh, Bloodhound Gang solving problems. Mm, yes. And yes. Uh, my, I, you know, I asked my mom, like, what is she doing? And my mom's like, science. And I was like, well, that's what I want to do. And because I saw her reflection, you know, that made it seem like, well, this is a, a, a dream that I can representation have. Representation right, matters. Right. And it was Man, low, if that's not a story of representation I know. mattering. It's a low budget, uh, low production <laughs> I mean, it's it, PBS show it was from PBS. the 70s and 80s, probably filmed in yes. somebody's house in somebody's basement. Some, the yes. neighborhood kids were the actors. But, uh, you know, if, if someone didn't do that, um, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have become a scientist. And I actually met one of the writers. His name was uh, Boyce Rensenberger. I met him, uh, I want to say maybe a decade and a half ago at some meeting. And I just pulled him aside and I said, Boyce, if you it's because of you that I'm a scientist. Mm. I don't know who suggested those kids, but because of you, I'm a, mm -hmm. you know, you made a show that I saw myself. 
And mm-hmm. so uh, and so here I am writing, you know, a highfalutin technology book for MIT, and I'm showing three, two, one contact because exactly. that's my origin story. And my origin story yeah. is just as valid as, you know, I, a lot of physicists write books about um, their origin story in science. And I have to say, personally, I like science, too, but their story doesn't resonate with me. They're like, well, I was very good at it. And so I decided to do it. And Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm, I wasn't particularly mm -hmm. good at the version that's in school, but I loved it as a kid. And it was because of the show that I loved it. And so when Mm -hmm. I I suffered through the way they teach it in the university, and it wasn't until much later that I started to um, embrace it and love it as my own because I was good at it. But it it wasn't because I loved it as a kid as people do in in university or in college. It's so funny as you say that um, because... That's how I feel about formal education, period. Mm-hmm. I was often, and now just finding out that at 50, I'm ADHD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now that explains so much shit mm-hmm. to me. I'm like, oh my God, mm-hmm. it makes sense. But um, I never, I was always a reader, always I used to write my own plays, all that kind of stuff. Hated school. It was so freaking boring. Mm-hmm. Hated, hated undergraduate. Mm-hmm. It took me forever to finish undergraduate because I was just so could not find. Now that I know what it was, I could not find my mm-hmm. place. I was just bored. I just kept changing schools, changing mm-hmm. majors, all kinds of stuff. It wasn't until I got in a graduate school where you are able to do research, mm-hmm. where you're able to free think, where you're able mm-hmm. to connect dots. That's how my brain yeah. works. Yep. I don't, you, how K through 12 and undergrad. Um, take students through does not work mm-hmm. for me. I, I do just enough to get to pass. Mm-hmm. And if the class is someone something I like, then I'm enthusiastic. So I'm going to do right. the work. But other than that, I'm going to do figure out just enough to get a C. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's what undergrad was. But when I got to graduate school, my undergrad is in training and development. Mm-hmm. So I was learning about adult learning theory, mm-hmm. pedagogy, mm-hmm. all these different things and writing curriculums mm-hmm. and how to write seminars and workshops. Oh, my God, that stuff made sense. And now that I'm finishing up my doctorate degree, um, yeah, it'll be done in December, by December. That's what I'm giving myself. All right. <laughs> um, 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 to, so I'm getting a DBA in um, technology entrepreneurship. Great. It's all I, I am a researcher. I wouldn't have known mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm from K through 12 and mm-hmm. undergrad. I only realized that when I got into graduate school and now in my doctorate program where it's all research, mm-hmm. that I'm like, that's what I love. And so even when I'm talking to, when I'm um, talking to my community, the hashtag cause community or whatever, they wonder why I'm always bringing research because that's who <laughs> I am. I'm an educator and a researcher. Great. And so those things come together and, and you're absolutely right. I did not have a... Luckily, you had it. I love that show uh, because it was like you was interesting. I didn't see myself as becoming a scientist, mm-hmm. but it fits into this thing when I call myself a multi-potentialite, which I have all these different interests. Mm-hmm. And now these interests are coming together and I see a puzzle coming together. Well, that's so how we should is, think about it. We should be thinking yeah. about it as a puzzle. I mean, uh, in, you know, the way they create education, it's from some it's for some average student that nobody is. And (laughs) and most of us have to suffer through. But the thing that you found out that I'm so pleased to hear about is that in graduate school and from some people, it isn't maybe they're at a maker place or maybe they, uh, you know, they they go to vocational school or they create a little business. That's where all the tools that they're very good at come together. 
But education doesn't do that. It, it's like exercising your muscle for this and exercising your muscle for this and it tests how strong you are, but you have no idea what it's used for. But if someone told you ahead of time, you're going to need that muscle for this. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm motivated. Here I am. Yes, I'm doing this. You know? exactly. yeah. so, so for me, I just, since I was four, I love science. Now, it wasn't because of the journey of the way I learned it in school. It was terrible. You know, the classes are there to weed people out. And I talk about that in my Yes, book, and you talk about that in your introduction. I, 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 don't, I hate introduction courses. Don't, don't talk to me about those things. Uh, and, I, and I put them on blast in the book. I'm like, if you, there, there are kids who are willing to do science who have gone through the process and here they are at undergrad and they still want to do science, even though they probably had bad experiences. And now you want to weed them out mm-hmm. when the nation needs people to be technologically savvy. We need people who create new things, but we also need, mostly we need people to ask questions. So I don't think everybody should be a scientist, but I, I feel everybody shouldn't be afraid of science. It's, it's sort of like the mess that we're in now because people are afraid of science and they just want to do what's their belief. And it's the same, it's, it's the same um, argument I have with coding. Everybody does not need to be a programmer. Right. What I think everybody needs, in, in, particularly in the 21st century, is um, some kind of technological um, literacy. That's right. That's right. I, mean, um, I actually think we're going a little too far. I think I have an op-ed that's coming out in about a week or so where I think that STEM has just swung too far. Yes. You know, yes. We're, just, we're just making uh, people who know how to fit cogs in a wheel. Yes, and this and we're and we're not in an industrial in, uh, revolution. We're not an industrial age anymore. We're not in an industrial economy. So you creating people who make cogs does not help in an information and knowledge economy. You right. just like you just said, we need people who know how to question. And That's I right. come from K to twelve, and we do not teach these kids to question. We, we teach don't. them that every answer in the world it comes in um, a, a question with four answers. Now That's you right. can you can eliminate half, and right, then right. there are only two. That right. is not real. That is not how the real world works. I, I know that in the state that I'm in, we used to do a, a test that um, was supposed to be helping you figure, you know, that was, do, you know, no child left behind. We were testing right. the hell out of these kids and it was supposed to determine um, if you were ready for graduation. Mm. And so they, we would do one in English, math, science, and social studies. Mm. And ma- people were, would understand how people, students weren't doing well in math, science, and um and English Mm. what they couldn't understand was why our biggest failing was in social studies and I'm going to tell you why it's in social studies because they're open-ended questions everything you needed (laughs) everything you needed to you didn't your teacher teacher could could have not taught you anything in social social studies the whole Mm. year Mm -hmm. because everything you need to know was in that passage that was right before those those four answers Mm. and if you don't know how to critically pull out information from that passage mm-hmm. they could not they had nothing to girt on they had nothing right, to say right, hey right. let's connect this to some learning i had in another class and mm-hmm. they didn't have any of that and our students fundamentally failed social studies over and over and over again because we are not teaching we did not teach are not teaching continue to not teach them how right. to function in the real world and now that we've shifted from an industrial economy where we're making things mm-hmm. to a knowledge economy where um, your Creating innovation, data. exactly. Your innovation and competitive advantage and um, uh, differentiation comes from that data that mm-hmm. you can create. We are not preparing our students for that. I agree with you, but I also think, and this is the reason why I wrote The Alchemy of Us, uh, it's an opportunity to actually give uh, those lessons in social studies that we don't give. Um, because 
what I'm showing people is first, I'm showing people that people are inventors and they weren't necessarily at the top in their class. Mm -hmm. They essentially had a need and they solved it. Mm -hmm. uh, one story is about Samuel Morris. Samuel Morris was a painter. He created the telegraph. Why did he create the telegraph? Because he would have wished to have contacted his wife, but she had actually died. And so he would, he would have loved to have had an instant way to communicate with someone uh, long distance. And that was his, the incentive. And so he created this. So he had no PhD in electrical engineering. He mm -hmm. just had a need. So I, I show people that so that you don't feel like you need to be uh, uh, a PhD to do. Exactly. That's exactly. Right. But also the, the second part of the book is that I talk about the, the progeny of his invention, which is the web, and how we have this ability to instantly communicate. But as a result of that, our ability to empathize has been reduced. And so this is the social studies or putting things in context. Usually when we see a book about technology, we look at technology and we're like, hey, look at this beautiful thing. Ah, and nobody critiques it. And I'm saying, tell me about how life will change as a result oh, of this thing. Oh, there, whoever connected us, thank you, because this is what <laughs> I do all day. I am forever asking can we get below the surface? And so yeah. I'm going to read a quote that you, um, from your professor. Um, and when you were at school and the quote is the reason why we, uh, so the professor asked, <clears throat> um, my college professor at Brown said something that blew me away. The, the reason why we don't fall through the floor, the reason why the sweater is blue, the reason why the lights work is because of the way the atoms interact with each other, um, said Professor uh, L.B. Fring. L. Fring, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and if you can find out how they do that, you can also change the way those atoms act and make them do new things. Ah, that is what every... Okay, people, that one <laughs> statement encapsulizes everything we do in this community because mm -hmm. we need, there is no new, there are no new ideas. I mean, it's about how you put them together. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why we have, I don't, like inclusion and diversity is not a nice to have. It's a, it's a must have in the information mm -hmm. economy because mm -hmm. you get people who have a different lived experience who can help you change those atoms around in ways you've never thought of changing those atoms around. That's right. You get better answers. Yes. And they come, and that's what I, what I what wanted to get to when you said um, <clears throat> about questioning. Mm -hmm. It's, I am always questioning. That's how I get people to understand or move from point A to point B. I ask them questions. Mm -hmm. If you're at point A, why are you at point A? Is point A satisfying point Q? If, and mm -hmm. because it was all in the system also, and we continue to think That's about right. these things in silos as if point A does not, is not going to affect point W. No, right. it's a system. It is going right. to affect, you might not be around when it happens, but it will happen. That's and right. it's about asking those questions. And this is why the hashtag cause of scene um, guiding principles are number one at the top. Mm -hmm. um, because you have to understand them in descending order to get to the most important one, which is the bottom. So the number one is tech is not neutral and we mm -hmm. need to really stop acting like it is, we can solve all problems. We have right. the answers. We are the saviors of the world mm -hmm. because again, most of this is coming from white dudes perspectives mm -hmm. who do not have the understanding or the lived experience or even the blind spots that they have that I or someone like you would see. That's mm -hmm. number one. Mm -hmm. And then I continue to add also tech is not neutral, nor is it a political because mm -hmm. that's a huge part in that's what, right. 
and what we're seeing right now. Um, everybody wants to be, you know, um, 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 every, 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 all speech is equal. Let's balance. No, there are no, 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 mm-mm, no. Mm-mm. There's right. somebody getting something behind all the scenes that you might not see. Right. Then the next one is, um, um, intention without strategy is chaos. I think I saw that. That is a good one. That's, that's, that's so nuanced <laughs> that I don't think most people, I think, I think if we just start at tech as neutral, we would have solved like 80% of the, it isn't neutral. I think that's 80% yep. mm-hmm. of the problem. And that's and why th- they go from the top down. That's right. So I think once it's you can, So once you can grasp that tech is not neutral, then you can yeah. move on to right. um, um, intention without strategies, chaos. Because so much of the things we try to do in tech, mm-hmm. we, we, when we fuck it up, we come back to, but that's my intention. No, 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 no. It's about impact. Well, I love it. Everyone wants to say, you know, uh, you know it's about breaking eggs. You know, yes. or the you know, but you're not getting you're not getting the eggs smashed. That's in right. Your face. The, yeah, the, the the eggs aren't smashing in your neighborhood. They're smashing yes. over here, exactly. and that's part of the. It's always like, uh, what is it? Seek forgiveness, not permission. Uh-huh. You know, that's the mantra of Silicon mm-hmm. Valley, and that's move fast, break things. All that's that. right. Mm-hmm. That's right. That that is that's imperialism. Well, it also it. shows your privilege. So it's, then, it's all about privilege. In fact, that's a new thing that I just kind of see when I'm watching television. I'm like, oh, that's privilege. Oh, my God. And you <laughs> see it everywhere. It's you see it. Everywhere. You see it. I can't even watch TV. I oh, mean, I even, can't enjoy even TV the anymore. stories that they're saying. Yeah. But that's the other thing that I try and point out in, uh, in my book, The Alchemy of Us. I, because tech is coming at us so fast, mm-hmm. no one feels that they can question yes. AI. Mm-hmm. Or or driverless cars or you know Alexa and, and they want to keep up with the Joneses so they want yep. the new thing. So my book is about technologies that are very simple. Yes, a light bulb, the telegraph, mm-hmm. things that you don't even you like. Oh, that's simple. Mm-hmm. Do you know that they had impact? The the yes. telegraph, as I talk about in the in the Alchemy of Us, it shaped language. Yes, the light bulb is actually impacting us now. It ends up that our ancestors we are taller than our great 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 ancestors. Why? because of the lights. We have two modes. We have a daytime mode and a, we have a, and a nighttime mode. We have a growth mode and a repair mode. Because we are under artificial lights that keep us in a growth mode all the time, we grow more. Mm. So we didn't think about it. Edison, great man. He put us on this path. He was solving one problem to push back the darkness. But we never, because we revered him so much, we never said, hey, you know, Edison did this great thing, but I wonder if this has any impact. We're only learning it now. And so, and so I'm giving people permission and space. It's a gymnasium, if you will, to look at older tech. Yes. So if you feel comfortable at looking at how camera film changed us and it, telegraph changed us and the light bulb changed us and even steel rails, which you think are boring, how they changed us, mm-hmm. then you will feel more comfortable to make decisions about you know, Siri and Alexa and driverless cars, because you would have felt like, well, these little things, which I didn't think much about, changed us. I wonder how... AI is changing us and also feel empowered to ask questions because right now everybody's just, uh, they're too afraid. Uh, mm. And it's, it's not their fault. We were put, technology was pushed at us that it's the holy grail. You should worship it. Everyone in the hashtag call the scene community shares the same common beliefs based on a set of four specific guiding principles. One, tech is not neutral, nor is it apolitical. Two, Intention without strategy is chaos. Three, lack of inclusion is a risk and increasingly a crisis management issue. And lastly, but most importantly, four, we must prioritize the most vulnerable. 
To find out more about the guiding principles and adding them to your Twitter profile banner, please visit hashtag causeascene.com. pushed at us that it's the holy grail. You yes. Worship yes. it. But now... And, and worship the people who bring it to and us. And worship the people, yes, yeah. Yes. But if you're looking at old tech, you're yes. like, oh, let me let me just look in your attic and see what's going on here. Oh, you got this? Oh, this is busted. So I wonder yeah. how the rest yeah. of the house yes. is. Yes, So that's... That's and, the point of the alchemy. And book. so you just hit, so you ju- you're helping me with this. So then the third, <laughs> the third guiding principle is lack of inclusion is a risk management issue. So that's right there. Mm-hmm. That right there. When mm-hmm. you don't have the various voices, at some point there will be a risk management. And, 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 and as we often see a crisis management issue you have to deal mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. because now you're causing harm. Yeah. Intended and otherwise, right. you're causing harm because you didn't, you don't have the, the 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 case studies to tell you, just like you said, 100 years from now, what this is going to do. But it's mm. accelerating so quickly. We don't even have a 100-year leg time. It's no, 10 don't. years. Yeah, it yeah. is five years we're seeing the problems. And then the most important and the final guiding principle is we have to prioritize the most vulnerable. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. And I so agree. when you go through all four of those and you land, you finally get your brain around them all and you land on the prioritized most vulnerable, it becomes the obvious choice. Mm-hmm. Until that point, people were like, eh, and we see, we're seeing it right now, right now with, um, um, with the pandemic. Um, right, it's right. about, it's not about, you know, I don't want to be in the house. I don't believe this is as bad as it is. And it goes to my, my, my um my and this is why I push back on the word empathy a lot and compassion because mm-hmm. it, those require those are skills that it requires people to develop. Mm-hmm. Everybody's not in a place to have developed that or have an interest in developing that. That's why people who push back off the I don't understand you. I don't understand why this is a bother a problem here. I don't understand why this causes you pain. When you follow the hashtag call the scene principles and you finally get to the prioritize the most vulnerable, you understand that I don't need to understand. All I need to know that there's a potential for harm for me to start making different, asking different questions. I think that's a beautiful thing. But I think what we're also hitting up with, hitting up against with the pandemic is the American myth that I can do whatever I want to do. Yes, the individuality. In the individuality. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I I also, I often shake my fist at Martin Luther, uh, you know, way back in the day in the 16th century, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. he said that, you know, uh, God's path doesn't require an in-between, but you need just grace. You have a direct path to God. Mm-hmm. And people have kind of transmogrified that. So they're like, well, I don't need anybody. I don't need to speak to anybody. So that's kind of where we are. And so science will say something and they're like, well, I don't believe. Exactly. And the thing is, the thing is that they don't go further and look at what uh, Martin Luther actually said. He's like, you can have a direct path in your belief, but you got to work really, really hard, read all these books to get to that point. Nobody's doing that part. They're just like, yes, exactly. He gave, them a, he gave them a hallway pass that you can just believe. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. this is what, well, that doesn't speak to me. I mean, I, and so I it's like for, for he, he did not remove discernment, but people have, he did yeah. not, but people don't read yes. that. You know, the well, that, well, well you know what? That's inconvenient though, right there. That's right. Yeah. That's work. Yeah. That's, that's work. That's... Or, or they'll just really, I, I, I was in uh, I was in uh, I'll just say I was in a state that was uh, in the South and I just saw that people were, relegating thought to religion. And uh, when all they needed to do was just, I asked them a question. Uh, I was talking to someone and they were saying they had this wonderful job with fracking. Mm -hmm. 
And I said, you know, there's been some research about how fracking is bad for the environment. Well, I don't know anything about that. So they can use that as an excuse mm-hmm. not to mm-hmm. critique it. Well, when are you going to know about that? And are you willing to know about because that? Because that's your job. I mean, is your that job. is your job. I mean, <laughs> that's your job. So, uh, so anyway, so I think this pandemic and I think technology, they all kind of resonate with this American myth. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to debunk it. Uh, like who can be in the sciences, who can write about the yes. sciences just mm-hmm. with my presence. As for the pandemic, we people just want to do their own thing and, the, and mm-hmm. they don't realize that we are in this system. Like what you do trans... It, exactly. It's me. not silos. We continue it's not to think silos. Of, That's and right. So, and so for me, when I first um, started hearing about Seattle mm. um, and then I started, I heard the first whispers of social distancing and self-quarantining. And then I saw how the political, it was being politicized. It was being um, run through the religious dogma. I was like, you know what? I'm taking my ass home and I'm staying. I knew, <laughs> I knew at that point, right. there was going to be a problem. And I, as an individual, was yeah. going to have to take care of myself. Right, right, right. there was no collective. There is right. no collective. And this is the issue. So in other countries, there's a collective Something. nationality or ethnicity or right. a collective um, national, um, you know, um, national honor or something. So right. even though they're having issues, it's not as bad. At, when they say lockdown, more people follow than here because right. here oh, we no. follow white supremacy. And well, so white supremacy yeah. says that whiteness never gets examined and it's always can be, um, it can be, um, casting only two roles, hero or victim, never the villain. Mm. So, mm. so yeah. So you find with the, with this president um, and understanding when you, people are, when he's talking, people are, are uh, people who follow this whole without questioning mm. and you see it, how easily they slip him into the hero role or the victim role. It is right. never, a villain role, even when he's talking about how his press conferences are getting higher ratings than TV shows. Right, right. Why? Well, why? Why, why got is this that? binary state? <laughs> yes, of, of of hero and uh, and victim, and that that's not leadership. I don't think we should spend too much time on this knucklehead because no, no, I'm not. Be, yeah. It's, it's yeah, just but, an but example. It's, it's just a huge example. example of why right, right. the U.S. is experiencing right. what we're experiencing because. With whiteness never examined and everybody... See, this is why we have a shirt in the community called Fuck Civility. Because civility <laughs> is optional for whiteness and it's the expected behavior of everyone else. Right, so right. So we're exposed to fall in line and quarantine ourselves and then whiteness has the full reign of, right. of going well, outside in the parks. But they're now being harmed right. because white supremacy... No one escapes white supremacy unharmed. And now right. white supremacy is the parasite that's eating its host. So oh, that's right. They're, they're being affected by their, yes, own, yes. their own stuff. Yes. And so now you see, now you, I just saw an article where the people, the, the, the people in the know or the people in power at Fox News are now sitting back having conversations internally about the fact that they know it's going to happen. They will. They, they have a, again, going back to that um, Lack of inclusion is a risk management issue. They have created mm. a risk management and, 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 and uh, coming upon a crisis management issue that they will be financially 
um, liable for because mm-hmm. somebody's going to get sick or somebody's family member is going to die and mm-hmm. they're going to go back and say, I got my news from Fox and mm-hmm. this is what they said. So this is why I did not do something. And they're mm-hmm. having those conversations right now. And, and so that's how they're, you, you're seeing, um, they're reporting how Fox News is now changing. It's, it is now, they're yeah. not going with the, 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 the regular, the line. all yeah, news yeah. is bad. Yeah. And, uh, now no, they're trying no. to figure, but then you, but you created this. Now, how do right. you slip the truth in this sea of lies you've been creating. Right, right, right. And, well, this, and, and this people paranoia. Have <laughs> people have already died. People have yes. been taking medications based yes. on misinformation. Yes. And um, this is why it is so important that uh, we have these kinds of dialogues. And this is why we also have to make sure people feel more comfortable with science. We really are in this problem. I mean, I agree that white supremacy has definitely gotten, gotten here, but also it's a cocktail of, of anti-intellectual anti-science yes and and, it, if, but, and that goes back that goes back to though how the church treated scientists so mm-hmm. there's a history of all of this and this mm-hmm. is why this country was was, was but, but i so would it, think was supposed to be built on the separation of church and science yeah um, but, but the scientists missed their window too i mean yeah. well we yeah. had a little window when we went to the moon we should have had every we should have had 50 percent of kids trying to be astronauts, astronauts. and if they can't Instead be of some elite group yeah but also but, but to, to make but also make them feel that they could be astronauts uh we kind of got stuck we you know we had a lot of uh, a lot of students went to school to do science, to be astronauts. But then that wave, it was sort of like a bubble that mm-hmm, went away mm-hmm. and we didn't follow it up. We Within didn't follow it up. We didn't have anything in the seventies and eighties that was like a moonshot. Mm-hmm. but NASA or somebody should have came up with something just to keep that momentum. Mm-hmm. You've got all these kids. Uh, we need to do, you know, but the thing is that we're so enamored with celebrity yes. and with television, we got distracted and we believe that we, you know, what I saw it on television, it must be true. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was true at one point, but people still believe it. And mm-hmm. so no one feels critical uh, about what they see on television or what they read. And so we're just kind of following along on this escalator. And, and we, what we're seeing now is, yes, um, Internet and c- computers have done that. What you just said, you know, provided that space mm-hmm. or, or that 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 place to strive. Mm-hmm. And yet we've limited to who can be in that space. Now, that's the issue now. So we have these great technologies and these computers. And, 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 and instead of saying again, hey, everybody should be. I think everybody's second language now in school should be technical literacy. Should not be Spanish. It shouldn't be. We can use I could use an app for that shit. I don't need to understand that unless it's about humanities. Now that's a whole different reason. Um, learning a language that helps you, you know, helps so you, do you learn. Do you think we should have coding as a second language or you're not? I'm not? I don't think, I think we should have a basics of coding as a second language. Just, yeah. a, just an understanding of how coding works. We don't need to get into um, how to build algorithms. Everybody doesn't need that, but right. people need to understand the language of computing. Just, just the language. Um, a simple uh, I love code.org. Just, mm. just they have videos, just a simple take mm. somebody through that stuff. And then we can talk about how, hey, how does this work in science? How will mm. we use this in English? How will we use this in math? How will you so now we're talking about so now we're talking about the 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 compute the 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 what's the word I'm looking for? How to use because another thing they, they don't do well in school is to help students understand that what you learn in English can also be used in science. Right. So this could be a way to connect all these different I, I actually I actually think I mean I'm all for coding but I I don't like the idea of uh, the second language I still think we should know another language because 
it will mo- motivate people to get out of their silos. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Because as we develop more codes and there's more videos to show me different places, less people travel. And the, the person I am is not only because I do science, but it's because I go to other places where I don't know the language and I gain a humility. I realize that the currency to exchange with people is a smile. Uh, people don't have that. Uh, and I think that those are lessons that we could have as well. And, so and I, would, I, would, I would agree with you if that was what was happening in um, foreign language classes. Foreign language classes are not teaching that. They're teaching uh, very boring, like you just mm-hmm. very, just like this, the nouns, they're not connected yeah, yeah. to oh, anything. Oh yeah, I agree. I and agree. then there's, so that's what I'm saying. So if you're yeah. going to do that, switch that out with coding. Well, well, I, I think, I, I say instead of like putting, replacing bad with okay, I say fix the whole thing. Yes, oh well, okay. So, yeah, so, so now you're so, talking, okay, now that's yeah. a whole nother yeah, thing. Yeah, that's a whole why, yeah, sure. Because that's why I left education because I uh, found, because it's, the system is broken, busted. fundamentally broke, yeah. Yeah. broken and yeah. there is no incentive to fix it because people are profiting from it being broken. Oh, it's, it's a big money maker. It's a yes. big money maker. And so, uh, yes, I agree with you on everything you um, you're saying. I think uh, so for me, um, well, so when I'm talking about, um, yeah, it, it, we don't, people don't need to learn like Ruby right, right. and, and, and yeah, and, yeah. All, no, no, none of that. Just how to, because just like language, if, right. if to me, the computer, Coding is a language. So to me, it's right. just another language because it helps It helps you. This is why I hate people when they talk about, oh, learning to code is easy. That's a damn lie and stop saying that. <laughs> learning to code is hard. And yeah. learning to code and learning a language is even, and learning anything is hard and learning a language is even harder. Right. So to me, it's just a replacement of language. But it's about, hey, if you we're learning, we're talking about this algorithm. Well, let's say we're making a cake, which is an algorithm. How can we use that in science? How can we use that in English? How can we use that in social studies? How do well, we- I, I have a different approach and I, tell, right. I uh-huh. definitely agree with you. I'm saying that uh, there's a lot of people who have left science. They, they may have liked it as a kid, yep. but they got some baggage. They had a bad teacher, bad experience. Yeah. <laughs> bad so, teacher's a big one. <laughs> bad teacher, big, big time. So I'm trying to give people uh, a second chance mm-hmm. with the alchemy of us because I'm teaching people science and they don't even know it. I'm now ready to articulate and to publicly share my need to shift from causing the scene. Currently this work, this push for equity, for minimizing harm, and for prioritizing the most vulnerable is collectively viewed by many as noise, bullying, troublemaking, as contrarian for controversy's sake, rather than what it is, a necessary evolution for the overall health and well-being of those who work for us, partner with us, buy from us, invest in us, and society as a whole. My focus from this day forward is to forge a path to welcoming and psychological safety in systems, institutions, and policies at scale because I will no longer put new wine into old wineskins. My team and I will be spending the next few months making the necessary changes to ensure that my new commitment to doing the proactive work of leading a movement framed by the guiding principles and seen through an anti-racist lens strategically happens with a relaunch on Juneteenth. To be kept informed of our progress, please follow me on Twitter at K-I-M-C-R-A-Y-T-O-N-1, Kim Creighton 1, and on our new Kim Creighton's Community Cafe Discord server. When I started Hashtag Cause a Scene in 2019, it was out of my frustration that no one was listening. Now that you're listening, it's time to get to work. 
Thank you for the years of support, and I'll meet you on the other side. Have a wonderful day. I'm teaching people science and they don't even know it and because it's, it's in the story. It's mm-hmm. in the story. You're going to learn about, did you know that Pyrex was actually created by a woman named Bessie Littleton? She was a housewife. And you said, that's the glass stuff, right? That's the glass. Yeah. Uh-huh. The glass so cookware. This million dollar industry came along with a woman who had an idea because her her pie tin broke and she wanted something that was indestructible. And she, her husband happened to work at Corning. And so that's how they came up with the idea for Pyrex. And in that story, I pep in, pepper in a little bit about how this glass is able to do what it does. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. instead of saying Pyrex is a boral silicate and blah, 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 yeah, and boring, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, let me tell you about Bessie Littleton. Yeah. You no, know, yeah. she was a woman who grew up in a plantation. So you know she was a little bit of a hot mess, <laughs> but she came up with this idea. And let's learn a little bit about her and learn a, bit, a little bit about how this invention came away. So, so I'm, I'm with you for uh, putting things in context. And, and my vehicle, like as an independent person, a scientist, how can I get science across to other people? My, in, in my own development, I used to be those, that person who would do crazy demonstrations and videos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, I don't think that moves the needle as much. No, it doesn't. Because people think that you're, you're special because you can do that. They think that. Yep. And also, it's, uh, it's, preve- it's preparing them for trivial pursuit, you know, so ah. that they have some fact. Oh, I know that. You know, the human head is uh, eight pounds. Yeah. Like, and and you- they don't see science in everyday life. They don't. Yeah. But now, mm-hmm. at my own ev- evolution, I put it in a story. Yes. Now that takes a lot of work. This book took me four years to write. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, it was almost like six pages a month <laughs> because I had to go to archives, learn as much about the person as possible. Mm-hmm. Like learn, learn as much about Bessie. Oh, I find out that she doesn't really like black people. Oh, this is going to be very interesting. And I have to write about her. I'm probably the, you know, the most uh, renowned biography about her, but here we are going to share her story and, or learn about Samuel Morse or learn about other people, dig in their papers, get to know them, put them in my bones mm-hmm. and then write their story. And because I'm a scientist, pepper in what invention. And this is the fact that you just said, you just, and you just walked me through, this is why I love these conversations because I don't, we never know where we're going to go with this. The fact that you marry science and storytelling Mm. is and and not in a condescending not in an immature way but in a way that is um um is is what's the word i'm looking for it it, it not it, pedantic it, yeah and it shows up as life it's it solving is, it's, it's solving problems, solving problems. Yeah. i mm-hmm. mean i always tell scientists that science is story it's just that when we write our papers we talk about how smart we are and but we, actually we get stuck on the data we get stuck on the data when we're like, oh, you know, uh, I discovered this. Well, this just happened to be right next to me. And that's why I tried it out. That's yeah. actually the honesty. Yeah. But when we write the paper, we turn it around and we say, well, I thought of this and I thought of this and it was related to this. And mm-hmm. here I am and mm-hmm. I'm fantastic. But if we tell the story like, you know, that didn't work and this broke, that resonates with people. Yes. They're like, yes. oh, he fails like I do. Yes. Uh, so so I and there's not too many people in the science story space or doing it the way that I'm choosing to do it. And I'm excited. There's a well, lot, there's of, a lot of ego in that, though, because scientists are revered and many of them will not talk about mistakes. Oh, I will. I will take uh, that a different level. There is a lot of uh, I, I, I said that I'm a teacher and not a lecturer. Mm. And there's a difference. Yeah, tell us the difference. A lecturer will show you how smart they are. Mm. A teacher will show you how smart, smart you, you are. are. Yes. And, it, you know, I have an ego. I have an ego. 
I, I think I'm the bee's knees. I definitely have an <laughs> ego. But if I'm writing a story, I have to check that. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to, I don't want to get the 20%. I want to get the 80%. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I have to take, when I'm writing The Alchemy of Us, you see me in the introduction. I kind of sneak my head in. Mm-hmm. Here's my story. I'm going to mm-hmm. put together this eight part chapter play for you. And then I go away. Mm-hmm. And then there's a story that you don't see me at all. Maybe I have a little bit of attitude because I, there's some characters in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I just kind of tell you, hey, this is how the story happened or why this happened. But I have to check my ego if I want. It's so to funny that you, you're talking about this. And so um, anybody who listens to this show, you know, I'm always I learn something new and I get I'm inspired by my guests and these conversations because um, I'm currently um, in the process of researching a book that I'm writing, um, Redefining Capitalism Without White Supremacy. And the tagline is the, um, the economics of being anti-racist. Hmm. And um, it's the same thing. It's I am going back literally to the fathers or grandfathers of economics, which are, you know, Karl Marx, um, definitely Adam Smith. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling because everybody wants to talk about how bad capitalism is. And I'm like, no, capitalism is a theory. It's how it's been implemented around the world, which is the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and have we even looked at or thought about, is there a cap- can we have a capitalist system that is, does, is not rooted in oppression and harm and, and white mm-hmm. supremacy and hate? Um, we don't know. We've never tried it. So yeah. I'm interested in seeing if that's even possible because the people when I'm and so when I go back to read Adam Smith, yeah. this is stuff he thought about in the 1700s. He uh, wrote two books, the sentiments, uh, the moral sentiment and the wealth of nations. And it was about moral economics. He mm. was an abolitionist. Yeah. So it's like um, I, I, the way you're saying that it, it just really gets excited, excites right. me because. The one of the things that I know is, and my friend was telling me, she's like, Kim, you need to think about writing this book, writing it in different forms, not just a nonfiction, because this story needs to be told in an entertaining way. It needs to be. She said, look at fiction, look at movies, look at plays, look at all these different ways that you can tell the story, get people to start thinking about, can there, is there such thing as an anti-racist capitalist system? You, you have to look for, you have to use all the to- tools of fiction and movie to get people mm-hmm. excited about yeah. your topic. Look, I'm, I'm writing about inventions and most people will start to yawn, you know, <laughs> but I envisioned it as if I was a director of a movie. Mm. You know, who's this interesting person? Have them come into the front. They may be minor in the field, but I'm going to use them as a device to show you how a certain certain thing evolved. So I'll, I'll give you an example. The first chapter is about timekeeping and horology. I've read a lot of books is not a very exciting topic, uh, making clocks, not exciting at all. And uh, I was reading this very, very thick book. And in the middle was one sentence. It said there was a lady in England in the late 19th century who sold time. And I said, what? And I'm in a library. So you know that people are turning around. They're like, what? I'm like, oh, who said that? I'm looking as if... uh, (laughs) That wasn't me. Who was that? Wasn't me. This is the library. Don't you know the rules? Yeah. I was there saying, shh, be quiet. So... When I found that, I was so excited because I found a way to get into this topic of timekeeping. There was a lady whose business was she would go to the observatory where she would get the precise time, use her clock to make sure that it was the same as the precise time, and then she would go to London and banks and train stations and newspapers needed to know the precise time, Mm. but they didn't have the luxury of going to the Royal Observatory, and that was her business. And her family had been selling time, if you will, for 100 years. And using her and and showing how important timekeeping, she was a vehicle to show how 
important timekeeping was. Mm -hmm. So I used her as a device. Now, the other way is I could have just taught, wrote a very dry book and told mm -hmm. you the history. Mm -hmm. No, mm -hmm. she is the first person that you meet. Mm. And she's the device. So I think that in I had to make those kinds of decisions when I was writing the book. And that was something that was, you know, the opposite of how I operate as a scientist. You want to do things chronology mm -hmm. or you want to do things by mm -hmm. level of importance. Yep. And I was like, no. The other thing is that uh, I, when I first discovered her, I was also slightly angry because I said, this is such an interesting story. How is it that it was buried in a book, one sentence mm -hmm. that I almost missed? And so that's the other reason why it's important for you to put those stories out there. The, the last thing is that uh, at the end of my book, I, I found a lecture by Toni Morrison that also mm. blew me away. <laughs> yeah, she's like my spirit, <laughs> spirit animal. Oh my God, I love, and this is why I do this podcast and this is why I behave the way I do because I do not do anything for the white gays. <laughs> well, well, she said that it's important for all of us to re-examine, to reread old texts. So mm. you rereading those books from the 18th century that have been studied, I know, because I have yes, them. exactly. But, but to reread that with a fresh point of view, that's what she says. Mm -hmm. And what you will find is more power rather than less, more beauty rather than less, more vigor rather than less. Oh, I guess I am getting, I never would have thought how excited I get by reading this. And my audience will tell you, because I'll just go, I'll do a live Twitter. I'm like, oh my God, this is what I just read. And <laughs> Because one of the things he, he, they talk about is Adam Smith questioned the, um, the East India Company. Oh yeah. He, he, because it never, so for, from, for these two reasons, and I was like, huh, do we have companies like that now? It, it made money for the um, officers and the people who work for the, um, the, the so for the, the shareholders and the officers of the company. Mm -hmm. The East India Company was never profitable. And yet in England, sunk so much money into this company mm -hmm. and it's though it was the same as these companies like we worked in an uber who've never made profits but have gone from uh idea to uh, ipo almost for uh, yeah. we works and, ha and has never had to prove anything right i'm right, like right. this is not new and this is why i love history because mm. we act like what we're experiencing right now is new. This is not new. Yeah. We've just been ignorant to our history because we've, we've because only us, I'm about to say we've allowed, but we didn't allow, only a certain kind of person was able to tell history. Right. Well, the thing that I'm appreciating by what you're saying as well is that, uh, you know, it's important when you're looking at history to also go back and look at the original text and, and the original papers. Because when I was doing that for The Alchemy of Us, I would look... And I said, okay, this person wrote a biography about this person, but why did they not mention this? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Or why did they not mention this person? And the thing is that their biography is going to be the seminal biography that everyone's just going to follow. Yes. And it's going to be like a photocopier. Yep. If, if kids remember that, the photocopy is just going to make a copy of that and a copy And you see that. that when we're looking at research papers and you see how many people cited one article. And That's that right. article is not the seminal article. That but is not just, the seminal. <laughs> yeah. But if you go, you have to go the step behind yes. that and look mm -hmm. at the original papers. Because mm -hmm. as I said, there are people, when I was writing The Alchemy of Us, I found people who were overlooked. I found aspects of people that people wanted to you know, gloss over. I was like, that person's not a nice person. And I'm going to have to write that because for some reason, everybody just wants to say how nice this person mm -hmm. is. And we, I have documentation. <laughs> I have, I've talked to their grandchildren mm -hmm. and, 
I can know that this person is very dogmatic and slightly racist. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have to get this out mm-hmm. uh, so that we don't revere and, glo- you know, I don't want to gloss over things. So I tell people who are working on things as you are, and also what I did in my own book, is that you have to go back to the early papers and you have to write an honest and authentic account in order to create the new American myth uh, that is more inclusive, uh, that is real and you know doesn't vault genius. And that's something that everyone can resonate because we see their flaws, we see the problems that they had to overcome. That's what we all can do as humans, that we see something and we try. And uh, But because we have this language of who's able to try whose answer is the most important mm-hmm. that that prevent that prevents people from starting and what i'm trying to do is break down those barriers and say you have the admission ticket to try what you just said just hit on something and i can always bring things back to the original point what you really hit on something is that tech is not neutral thing because i when we're talking about who gets to try who gets to be the authority i um have a serious issue with verified people on platforms Mm, um, mm. I understand if it is to verify the person, which is something that should happen. If that's the case, you should happen. That should happen at the inception of, um, starting the, the, the opening account. I mm. should be able to verify who I am. And then there's no need for blue checks. Mm. Um, but what those have become is, um, um, default. Who's the expert? Who right. are the people you need to listen to? So people who don't have the blue checks, who are, again, like you say, this one sentence footnote in a book, mm-hmm. who have, this person is the person who's selling the time to people who, mm-hmm. who need the time. They're getting, they're getting ignored. Their voices are not weighed as heavily because they don't have the blue check. And then what I find is, which is more problematic, is that you can have a blue check because you're a celebrity, you can have a blue check because you know a programming language. You can have a blue check because you know you're a coronavirus expert. And yet when you start opening your mouth about other shit, you're not an expert in that domain, but you're given the default expertise in this. Well, that's privilege. Yeah. It, it's, we, we talked about that already. It, I mean, it is, yeah. And, and, it is, yeah. And, it's and you can be an expert. Uh, you can have a, I, I mean, I see this all the time. I, I give lots of lectures about STEM. Mm-hmm. And I actually have a PhD in material science from in engineering from Stanford. So I might know just a one or two things. Maybe I, maybe I don't know education, but you know what I do as a scientist? I actually say, you know what? I don't know. Let's figure this out. <laughs> I, have a, I have this really interesting point of view. But there are people who, um, you know, they're a, they're a mom and their qualification in education is higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I should even question that we have this pecking order, but I'm I'm down with you in the blue the blue dot. It's very annoying. Um, and the thing is, people probably voice their opinion, but as soon as they got a blue dot, uh, they didn't argue about it anymore. So there's also that. Exactly. Um, because I tried to get before I even started this, I tried to get um, verified three times mm-hmm. on Twitter because that was when I first got on Twitter. I thought that was a thing to do, and they kept yeah. telling me you can verify. I'm like. But I gave you the data that you asked me for. Right, right. So you're you're so basically what you're saying, you're telling me, not basically, is that the data that I'm giving you is not sufficient because this program is not about verifying who I am. It is to verify what you think is important and what my voice may say, I guess. Because at that time I didn't have a voice on the platform. I just thought, hey, I started this account. Hey, verifying makes sense. I guess I want to verify who I am. But right. you're, but I'm giving you, I mean, I gave them a copy of my driver's license. Okay. 
what else do you need to verify who I am? <laughs> That's what well, I was thinking. As, it was about me as a person. No, as a, <laughs> as a friend of mine used to say, rules are for black people. Yeah, again, civility is for uh, <laughs> so, uh, expected so, behavior for so, us. So I wouldn't even worry about that. The most important thing is that, as you know, as Toni Morrison says, all this is a distraction from yep. your work. Oh, I don't even try it anymore. I okay, so yeah, so yeah, uh, I, I'm outside of the bounds of, yes. you know, the institution, but that's not going to stop me from writing a great book exactly. like The Alchemy of Us. Uh, I know even more how important it is uh, to do that because the folks who are on the inside aren't going to do the creative work that you do on the outside. Exactly. And they so don't have, have to focus and, on that. And it's also the difference between people with theory and the people with uh, practical experience. Mm. You can theorize. And this is where, again, going back to uh, the definition of capitalism. It only talks about private ownership of, um, of goods and, 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 and the government. That's just, I mean, it's literally the, the, the dictionary definition is two sentences. How we've, how we've defined it and implemented it around the world has a whole different bearing on, and that could be changed in any, in any um, kind of way. And, it, and it's those, it's when we don't question, it, it, the, it's the people like ourselves who are outside of that, who are I want to say freer to question, even though we get a lot of pushback for questioning. I don't have a reputation. I don't have a blue check to lose. So <laughs> to me, this is like, whatever. I don't have you. Right. Um, I refuse. So how I came into tech was like, you know what? I refuse to let you, you, this industry define my value. I'm going to tell you what my value is. Right. Well, and, I, I see in the book, I mean, I'm from New Jersey, so we get, you know, crapped on all the time. So, so if people don't want me to be part of their club, I'm like, well, I didn't want to be part of that stinking club. That's our part. That's our point of view. So yeah, I, I, yeah. I think that, uh, I think that there's so much freedom and creativity that you have when people aren't spotlighting you. And yes. I think that that's the thing to focus on. And that's yeah. the reason why I was able to uh, work on the alchemy of us for so long. If I, yeah. if I was working at a regular job, this book would have taken me 10 years, not four years. Mm -hmm. If I was working for a specific corporation, there are some things that I could not say or yes. want to say. In a different exactly. way. Or if I were, I was a Yale professor, I would want to say it in a certain way so mm -hmm. that I'm really, really smart. Mm -hmm. And I would say things that nobody got. And, and, and you would, how, and also you would say things that wouldn't offend the board or the students and you, all this. Well, but I would also want to play the part of a Yale professor. Yes. Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't be, a lot of people wouldn't get it. Yeah, and exactly. uh, I was talking to a friend of mine. He's like, the thing I like about you is that you're smart and you're down to earth. Mm -hmm. And I said, that is the best compliment that I've yeah. ever got. Yeah. That's yeah. what the book is. It's, yeah. it's smart because I write things. I work really hard to make sure that you can understand these things mm -hmm. and you don't even know that you're learning mm -hmm. and you'll come away and you'll say, of course. And then I will feel like I've accomplished something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the reason why it's I said sneak attack. <laughs> but no, that's that's what's being a teacher. Yes, almost definitely. Yeah. You, you yeah. check yourself. Mm -hmm. you, you meet people where they are, that, which is not what girl. I was just about to say that you that's meet not, people where you are. That's not are. what scientists do. But that's yes. what I had to do. I had to, I had to evolve as I'm writing this book. And uh, I learned that skill and how to do that as an educator. Being in the classroom, and particularly, I was I'm special needs certified, so my mm -hmm. students were. Um, were um, various um, um, intellectual disabilities. Mm -hmm. um, they weren't, they were very mild intellectual disabilities. So like memory loss and, you know, just really mild things. Mm -hmm. um, and I had to, every student, we had to get to a certain place at the end of the year, but every student couldn't get that same place at the same time in the same way. So I had to learn strategies right. Right. Uh, of, of meeting students where they are. And that's how I mean, I, I, that's exactly how I do this work. This work is about um, dismantling 
um, or disrupting the status quo in technical organizations, communities, and events. And how I do that is various ways and, and based on how people come at it. Because yeah. the one size fits all does not work. Right. I think we're on the same point. I mean, that's the yeah. reason why, and I think this is why I'm so excited about this book from the MIT Press. So here you have a highly vaulted, one of the top uh, independent presses about technology. And here's a very, very approachable mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the new, this is the new way we're going to do some things. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, they're going to have some things that are very technical, but they're also showing that everyone has to be able to understand yep. tech. And everyone has to feel that tech is theirs. And yes, that's, like, that's it right there. So, so that's, that's the work that we're both doing. Because uh, what, one thing I say is, in, particularly in our communities, technology is, is we're the, always a consumer and never the producer. We've never been, we're rarely told that we can produce tech. It's always mm. come, we're always the consumers of tech. Mm. And if we can shift people to start thinking of, um, even as you said about the Pyrex, I'm not asking you to program a computer. What in your life can you improve by it, right. based on your lived, lived experience that you, can, that you can improve on? That's right. a technology. That's right. Well, that's what I say. I say that everybody creates something, whether it's uh, uh, you know, two microphones and a turn, two, two turntables and a microphone or two test tubes and CRISPR. Doesn't, okay. yes. doesn't, doesn't matter. Everybody creates something from yeah. a solar cell to a sandwich. And so that's the reason why I tell these stories so that people can feel like they are innovators. They don't have to be creating Facebook or Twitter, but they made something that didn't exist before, before that's changing their lives in some way. And the last part is I would say that once you create those things, make sure you always critique it to make sure that it's going in the direction that you want. And that's the piece that's missing. And this is what I will end today on is because I have no problem with moving fast and breaking things because that's innovation. You know, what I have a problem with is moving fast, breaking things, moving fast, breaking things, moving fast, breaking things. Where's the critique in? What do we break? How do we break it? What can we do next to Mm -hmm. to improve it? That's the part that no one talks about. And you just said that we we do these things and we don't critique how they are. Um, impacting not only ourselves, our businesses, but our communities. Mm. And our, 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 our tale is not 10, 100 years out anymore. No. These, 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 the consequences or the effects of these things are accelerating and having larger impacts. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. Is there anything you'd like to say in your final words? Oh, well, I just say uh, it's a pleasure to be speaking with you and learning about how we can all make change. And I hope that people will consider this invitation to look at technology in a new way with looking at The Alchemy of Us, which is going to be out soon. And you can get an audio book. The audio book is voiced by an African-American woman. So this is an enterprise Ooh. about science from a written by a black woman, voiced by a black woman. This is just, this is a unicorn, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so thank you very much for the opportunity to talk about my book. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. You expanded my mind. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hashtag Cause the Scene podcast. And I'd like to thank all our current sponsors of the podcast and the Hashtag Cause the Scene movement. Of course, we strongly encourage everyone to become an individual sponsor of the Hashtag Cause the Scene community. Just visit the website at HashtagCalledTheScene.com to sign up today. On behalf of everyone here at Hashtag Call the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.